Votes cast in Iowa in 1896 for William Jennings Bryan, now considered suspect. <laughs> Senate Republicans vote to censure Spiro Agnew and Richard Nixon for accepting guilt and resigning. <laughs> and ahead of Sunday's Oscars, President Trump names The Wizard of Oz as his favorite movie. Trump tells reporters, my favorite part is when the tornado hits Missouri. <laughs> oh, welcome. It's State of the Union night. We're not watching. Uh, we're here doing our podcast, The Wolf Pack for you guys. I actually thought they were still counting the 1896 votes in thing. Iowa. I thought that's where you were going with that. Maybe they are. We don't know at this point. Every Everything in the Hawkeye State is suspect up to this point. They're tech, they're tech messed up. The abacus is stuck. The abacus might be Was stuck. Jennings Bryan stealing votes from Bernie? <laughs> I, I, I want an investigation. Um, Dylan Hyde's with me. Paul Block, Kim Upham. Our producer is Patrick Zahn. And you're listening to The Wolf Pack. Uh, maybe you find us on Google Play, on iTunes, or Spotify. We're glad you're with us. And uh, please spread the word. How is everyone tonight? Pretty good. Yeah? Pretty good. But I get, bet you don't know what we're going to be talking about today. No. With no idea. In fact, I, let's stay with a William Jennings Bryan theme. Although he ran in 1896, 1900, and 1908, lost all three times. But how um, did he do in the Iowa caucuses? Well, yeah, you know. Um, we may find out one day. So, speaking of the Iowa caucuses, we're going to get into that big time tonight. Um, my favorite slash... Uh, nothing amazes me anymore moment. Many of you may have seen this video. It's gone viral. A woman at the Iowa caucus, and you know they vote in the first round and second round. The first round, she voted for Mayor Pete. Then she was told that he was gay. She was horrified and asked for her paper ballot back <laughs> to change her vote and it's all on tape, and uh, the the woman, the polling woman, tried to explain to her, yes, he has a husband, a husband, and, and you know, he's married. He's married, and she was disgusted and said, hasn't he read the Bible that it says you have to sleep? And, and the woman goes, he's a human being. My favorite line of this woman's was, how has this not come out before? Yeah. <laughs> Low information voters. It just amazes me that somebody could live in Iowa, you know, which is the basically this epicenter, epicenter of politics for the last year and not know a, a fact about a candidate that's not exactly a secret. Well, news travels very, very slowly in Iowa. <laughs> well, you know, I've had a lot of comments. I put this video up on my Facebook, and one of them was, how could she not have found out about dental care? Um, so <laughs> check it out. Um, it reminds me of my Aunt Fern in, the, in Bloomington, Indiana, and this was 1985, though. We're eating dinner, and she says that she had just watched a documentary on Liberace, and she said, he's such a nice man. I wonder why he never got married. <laughs> so, But this is 2020, ladies and gentlemen, and she just could not believe it and was revulsed by the fact that her choice— and why did she choose him? Did she mm -hmm. just like a good-looking young guy? Because he's, he's America's favorite grandson. <laughs> Maybe she was going to fix her granddaughter um, up with him. Um, was Liberace gay? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what no happened? Idea. Did she get her ballot back? Yeah. She okay. changed her vote to, Amy, vote to Amy Klobuchar. And if I'd been there, I'd said, well, you know, she's a lesbian. I would have <laughs> I would have kept the thing going for at least a couple more minutes. Keep her hopping from caucus so, to caucus. So, um, listen, I have not, I try not to do this because we kind of know the subjects we're going to discuss on this show. But I have a question which I've been thinking about all day today, and I will bet you millions of Democrats 
and Americans might be thinking the same thing. I didn't preview this with you. I would just like uh, your response to this question. Make Uh-oh. it spontaneous. Make it honest. I'm going to get in trouble. And because I, I may have a partial answer myself, but I don't have an answer. Um, three years into Donald Trump's presidency, all we've gone through, 16,000 plus lies. Um, the man uh, has created huge deficits. He's devastated farms with his farm war. Uh, possibly the most corrupt president in our history. He's been impeached, and we know he's guilty of bribery no matter what the Senate votes tomorrow. He brags about breaking the law. He is doing away with environmental protections, taking people's health care away. Now he's talking about cutting Social Security and Medicare. He embraces every dictator in the world. He shuns and hurts our allies. He mocks about, uh, American servicemen and women for PTSD. He mocks prisoners of war. He almost starts wars out of impulse. He brags about sexually assaulting women. He calls Nazis fine people. He is obviously racist. He demeans everyone. He doesn't read. He doesn't listen. He doesn't know history. He ignores all advice, blames everything else on others. He ignores all the norms of government, governance. In Rex Tillerson's words, he is a moron, and I think most of us know that he's a moron. That's Perhaps the most unfit and craven person ever to serve this country as president. And yet today, according to Gallup, his approval rating is the highest in his presidency, 49%. And I can tell you, if you're about 46 or 47 going into election these days, you're going to win hands down. Even Steve, Steve Schmidt on MSNBC tonight previewing the State of the Union was speechless about this. He said he is victorious tonight. No one can lay a finger on him. He is a colossus. How is it, after everything we've seen from this pitiful man, that he tonight has his highest rating of his presidency? Answer that question for me. Well, it's, it, I, I don't want to – it could be an anomaly. I mean, this is an outlier. He, is, be. he has been between basically 39 and 44 for three years. So, so see a, somebody jump from 43 to he, He's been going up steadily in polls. Yeah, yes, yeah, he has. The highest I've seen was 44, not counting Rasmussen. I would put it another way. With this list, why is he not in the 20s? Or the teens? Because the economy is strong. Is that your answer? Did did Dylan finish? No, I didn't. So I I think that's my first thought. Second thought is that the economy is strong, but there's also a sense of people like uh, somebody who can come back from things. And this is is somebody who, he's been impeached now. He's going to be just fine, um, politically speaking. And I think people are starting to rally behind him as somebody who won't give up. He's a fighter. Oh, but all so because he's a fighter, he can brag about assaulting women and oh, mock our I troops. Don't, I don't think I said that. You asked me to explain where these forty nine percent of people are coming from. I think they're right. either insane or horribly disengaged. Well, then reality. I would ask the question: How do half of Americans dismiss? Any one of these things on the list. Well, I say most of America doesn't know about 90% of that list. Yeah, they're no, getting their oh, news oh, from Bi- no, well, Breitbart. No. Come on, they're getting their news from Breitbart and Fox. Or they don't okay. read the news. That's okay. the other half. Kim, Kim is right. If, if you turn over to, to, to Fox, you're not going to see any mm-hmm. of that stuff at all reported on Fox. That, number one. Number two, whether it's Fox or Breitbart or just who they are, 49% of Americans resemble Trump. They're racists, or they're Nazis, or they're 
uh, well, or they're xenophobes, he, or they're homophobes, or they're anti-Semites, or the, you can go right up and down that list. Forty-nine percent of Americans are like that. That forty percent that that's always going to vote for Trump. Those are the ones that are going to Breitbart, Daily Caller, or World Nut Daily. What about the nine percent? So then? right. So the the, the pe people in the middle that are, that will fluctuate between supporting him, not supporting him, kind of undecided. These are the quintessential low information voters. People that don't pick up a newspaper, just talk to their friends about these things, see whatever there is on Facebook. So they, these are the ones that can so, blow in the wind. So, so you're, you're telling me that half of Americans have no sense that this guy is a liar, never heard uh, the Access Hollywood tape. Uh, he's the most visible person in the world. I don't care where you're getting the news. Um, and people slam him all the time. Even people go on a Fox and they talk about all the things that I've said on this list. So they do know something. Well, it's not about half, though. You're, you're, at, you're asking about the 5% that have changed, right? Because if it was still at 44 when you walked in tonight, we would not be having this conversation. We're having this conversation because 5% changed their opinion. I'm saying these 5% of people. Okay, I'll, I'll don't ask know a question a little bit different. Again, why, why isn't this 15% of the American public? Uh, approving of a man who does any one of these things. Are we at a point where facts don't matter, where truth doesn't matter? Yes, yes. Is that where we are? You yes. have to get the facts to people. people, and they're not getting them because I, they're too I, out, or you know, they're getting them from the Kim, wrong place. Kim, I buy that up to a point, but I think 100% of the people in this country know who Trump is. What? He campaigned no. on, on all of these things. People watched it's, it. I understand that there's a, a strong filter on Fox, but you cannot filter out all of yeah, these that's things. What, they've heard the Access Hollywood tape, and they're thinking, yeah, we're taking him serious, seriously and not literally, right? So they're at a locker room talk, fine. They... A lot of people voted for him in spite of those things. Mm -hmm. Why they still continue to support him, I find. So why is much a farmer who's going bankrupt? I saw an Iowa farmer on CNN saying, "You know, this is the worst year. I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I'm still going to vote for Trump because, you know, for a lot of reasons." And he didn't say why. And he said, "I'm not going to vote for Democrats because they'll raise my taxes, and their Green New Deal would be a disaster." We're for me. a country of red shirts and blue shirts, and sometimes green shirts. Okay. As we're currently Ezra Klein has a book out right now about the polarization of America, and hmm. we have we have seldom been more polarized than so, we are now. So that may be the best answer to this question I've heard, not to dismiss anyone else, but we are so tribal now. Are you we saying are half the country will doesn't matter what he does? So this is just proving the point that Trump has made, that he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and people would still love him. But I think, not on Sixth Avenue, remember? Right, right. I think, I think what we're leaving out here is that I think most people do know that he's a liar and a charlatan. Right. But but there's two things about that. One is they kind of think, well, we've, we've he's never hidden it. It's not like a Gary Hart where this big surprise right. comes out. We've always well, known about him. So people, so people have been deconditioned to it. But secondly, what Trump has done, whether he's a genius or not in figuring this out, is that he's muddled the water. Everything is so equal now. It's, it's the both right. sides. And the New, York, right. the New York Times is guilty of this. It's always both sides. And so now when they think of Trump as being uh, lying, dishonest, disingenuous, well, right. everyone's which that is, way. Which is also so, a good answer. So we're not going to punish him for what everybody because does. Because that was his strategy in 2016. He accused Hillary of everything that he was responsible for in he a negative day. Stick to his opponent. So we're, but that says we're in an age where people just think they all do it. Government yes. sucks. Everybody yes. lies. He's my guy, but, right? But I, I want to go back to agree with Dylan that you've got that hard 40 percent. That 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 I don't think of as good people being homophobes, being racists, being uh, anti-immigrant, being okay. all of that stuff, uh, and being, by the way, billionaires and on the payroll of billionaires. Right. You know, I don't. I don't think most of them are 
bad people. I think they're just terribly ignorant people. I mean, I, I met a person. Well, they're racist person because they're terribly ignorant. A very lovely individual that I have known for some time now. Um, I like him a great deal. Um, but he, as he explained to me, he is a single issue voter, and that right. is pro life. And and, and, right. and, and, and I ask him about taxes and foreign policy, and he just doesn't know anything about those right. things. And, and I and that's another good answer, which I was just going to say. In this forty nine percent approval, and I hope it goes down, you have the religious, the evangelical right, who just vote on abortion, mm-hmm. who are told and believe in their minds that this guy is the savior. And then you have people and who I vote on they 80, want lower they're taxes. Eighty five percent. Of right. the religious right supports Trump. Right. And then it's you have, abortion. like you were talking about pajamas, uh, TV, the people who only vote on what they think will help Israel. So, uh, you know, all of these are good answers to this. I think there's a, a, a broader philosophical uh, wraparound, a macro view of how someone like this could be president of the United States and look poised for re-election. I, you know, it's astounding to me. And, you know, this is going to be written about, talked about. It is right now and it will be in the future. But, you know, we as a nation, as a society, better figure out how someone like this can come to power, not like it hasn't happened in other countries I, I of think the world. It's, it's a tough question because there's a lot of different answers to it, depending mm-hmm. on what group, what percentage of that 49% you're actually studying. Right. Um, you know, maybe immigrants, people don't want immigrants in the country, oh, yes. That's white true. nationalism, mm-hmm. That's true. all of this thing. I mean, we know what brought Hitler to power was, you know, Germany after World War One was just chaos and inflation and, and, and all of that was a prime uh, and a fertile ground for for a, a big and a demagogue. Um, so we're seeing a little bit of that now. But I just want people to keep this in their minds. I think all your answers are good. And we better be aware that we're up against these kind of headwinds. Uh, you know, I haven't changed my progressive values. I know Dylan hasn't, Kim hasn't, uh, Patrick hasn't, and Paul hasn't. If I can speak to you, I know we should deal with immigrants in, in a humane way. We believe in health care, good education, public education, good paying jobs for all, a clean environment. Those things don't change with us. I just think that the macro view is how you get a populace who could be half of this country saying this man is doing a good job. It's almost unfathomable. I'm to me. hoping it's a temporary bump from the uh, victory lap he's doing after the he's, he's about to be doing. After I think this there are no acquittal. no uh, uh, accepted uh, charismatic stars on the other side of the coin. I think if 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 John Kennedy was out there saying I'm running for president and people were there to listen to someone who was charismatic, uh, who was talking the other way, who who do they have to look up to now? Bernie Sanders? Well, well get off of well, my well, lawn, well, man! Well, no, 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 I, I will just say as we get into Iowa, the uh, and I'm stepping forward here. The best thing about last night was the speeches by Amy Klobuchar, which I thought was fantastic. Loved it. Loved it. Elizabeth like it. Sanders Loved came out. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> yeah came out with an even better speech that I loved, loved her. and then Pete just knocked it out of the park that those were the that was the only segment of last night that I was happy about because those at least those three candidates you may not have liked Amy's speech but Amy and Elizabeth Warren and Pete they spoke for me mm-hmm. and I was uh, I, I was touched by it uh, I had goosebumps about it uh, let's get into Iowa I, I just want to say that I think if it I, I want to stick with my need for a charismatic leader and without that I think Trump is gonna gonna take the day and, if Pete Buttigieg was not mayor of South Bend Indiana but if he well, was if he was sent 
senator of Indiana. And if he wasn't just senator for two years, but had been a senator for two terms, I think we'd have a whole other. Paul, there, there's a uh, there's a possibility when all the votes are announced by the Democratic Party of Iowa. He will be the senator from Indiana. You know what they're going to come up with with this app. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Carl, I want to say one more thing about this is that I think for most Americans, um, especially the ones in the middle that that are going to decide every election, they're low information voters. They don't give a shit about 99% of the stuff. All they care about is how's my pocketbook doing? Right. And when the economy is going this long, this is what we saw with Bush. I mean, Bush, his numbers weren't great, but they were, I mean, after 9-11, they were great. But other than that, they weren't that great. It wasn't until end of 0708 where he cratered down to 19% right. approval, and that's because people started seeing their and, personal and, fantasies. And I will, uh, I will see you one on that. Uh, George H.W. Yeah. Bush, his dad, after we won the <laughs> Kuwait War, yeah. his approval rating in early 1991 was 91%. Yeah. 91%. Because of the recession, he lost about a year and a half later. Things can change. Jimmy Carter was sky high after the Camp David Accords in 78, and he got pummeled because of the economy. Mm -hmm. I learned in graduate school, absence of anything else, people vote their pocketbooks. I'm just saying, and the only reason I brought up this question is I've heard from Democrats all day today who are so depressed that that he has a 49% approval rating, that we look bad in Iowa. They're down. and we, we, I understand, and we're going to, but this is the headwind that yeah. we're going to have to face. And I think if we're going to be an honest podcast, we have to acknowledge this. Well, well Hillary I, had a huge headwind, headwind on so many different places and levels. And yeah, it wasn't a perfect campaign, but you know. And I want to acknowledge what Dylan said, that 49% may just be an anomaly. Okay, let's get, you know, first of all, Let's not ask the people of Iowa what any percent is because they have no freaking clue. Let's get into the question. Let's questions. talk to the Iowa pig farmers that are going bankrupt and ask them why they're supporting Trump. Yeah. Uh, especially since he's cutting food stamps and other places that might have been a safety net for him. Uh, but let's, since we're talking about Iowa, <laughs> who's talking about Iowa? Um, uh, should the Iowa caucuses be scrapped? Is this it? Have we had enough of the Iowa caucuses? Should they no, be No, they're wonderful. We should <laughs> <laughs> talk about counterintuitive. Oh, right. good Lord. Um, oh, sure, I'll weigh in. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's the, just, just look at the, what's happened last night. What we've seen is that um, the winner of this thing, whether it's Buttigieg or Sanders, is going to be one of those two. They lost their prime time victory speech, yep. right? Any momentum they were going to so, – so, Upstart candidate like Pete Buttigieg, you spent two years of his life and millions of dollars. They're saying three hundred million dollars is going to be totally spent in Iowa. Now it's, it's it, we still don't know who's won. Um, when it is announced, either tonight or tomorrow morning, it's going to be completely swallowed up by the State of the Union address tonight and the impeachment vote tomorrow, and no one's even going to know about it. What was it for? And this isn't the first time this has happened, right? We know eight years ago, um, Rick Santorum won the, the right. caucuses, but they declared Romney. Mitt Romney is the winner, right? And then four years ago, with uh, Sanders and Clinton, there were other anomalies. And there, Stan- or Clinton won by 0.3 percent. And then afterwards, it's their precinct committee people that said nobody ever called us, nobody ever asked us for our numbers. Right. It's three straight Iowa caucuses that have been screwed up. And by the way, Rick Santorum really won that in 2008. Yeah. Romney came in second. A lot of people don't know that Romney's dog came in third because he was out in the parking lot strapped to the top of Romney's I mean, car. Poor Rom- Seamus. <laughs> you know, we're, Santorum is always going to wonder, what if? 
Maybe right. he would have been the nominee for the party if he could have got that momentum. And if Bernie or Sant- if Bernie or Pete do not win the nomination, they will always wonder what would have happened. We are in an instant information age. What happened last night was un. Conscionable, and who was it? Uh, the uh, D, the head of the Democratic Party of Iowa came out to explain today. His his Tony answers Price, to questions were pathetic. They didn't even test this thing. He said, "Well, there was security testing." How do you not test something like this? Caucuses should be done. They should have been thrown out. I'm glad Washington State, by the way, above us here in Oregon, threw out the caucus. They're going to a primary. We should have primaries, not caucuses. How do you in 2020 walk around with paper ballots? And by the way, I'm glad there's a paper trail. So eventually we'll know the real outcome here. And we'll know if Bernie won or Mayor Pete won. But that's not the point. This process is too complicated. It's ridiculous. And I don't even want Iowa going first. We had a show many months ago Mm -hmm. where we talked about four regional primaries. This system is so out of whack. Iowa has, you know what the demographics of those who voted last night? They were 91% white, 5% Hispanic, and 4% African American. Are you telling me they're going to set the tone for the United States of America? People with kids don't even show up because they've got to get dinner for their kids and put them to bed. It's mostly older folks. There's been a lot of criticism of the caucuses uh, prior to this screw up in that people with disabilities often can't caucus. It's not a blind ballot. Oftentimes they make mistakes because they don't have enough volunteers and now they're going to have a harder time finding volunteers because I hear people last night say, I'm not doing this thing. I was on the phone for two and a half hours last night. I'll only be hung up on when I got through. Nobody knows if the candidate's gay or straight. So, you know, that's another thing. (laughs) But with the paper ballot, she was able to get her ballot back. So it's all good. the, the, The app they used to count and transmit the votes showed up like two or three days Mm -hmm. before it was going to be used. I mean, something that they spent $60,000 and hired a bunch of volunteers to do an app. I mean, where, what? I mean, Buttigieg, what did he spend? $100 million Mm -hmm. there? What, all of a sudden $300 And we're going on a $60,000 app that was not tested, that showed up the day before. The same one they're supposed to use in Nevada, by the way. And And in in an era where people are concerned about their votes being secure with hacking and everything else, this could not have come at a worse time. And when that app showed up, it came with a warning that this app, if you put it on your phone, may ruin your telephone. That came with a warning. <laughs> your device. <laughs> and well, look. do you remember they were going to give people the ability to cast their caucus vote online? And that got nixed because that was part of the plan, too. Can you imagine if they were relying on technology that way? Look, let's I'll give the macro view here. And we've talked about this. And, you know, I've been talking about this since I wrote a report on it in 11th grade in high school. We should not have the Electoral College. It's not democratic. We should have a popular vote. The filibuster shouldn't exist in the Senate. These kinds of things, these weird processes, by the way, by uh, the way the parties choose their nominees, they're Byzantine, they're outdated. All of these things that are undemocratic, not useful, create cynicism in the body politic. Well, it's not good st- for democracy. I still don't understand how it works because as I'm looking at the, <laughs> I'm looking at the results they've come in, Bernie Sanders has the most votes, but Pete right. Buttigieg has the most delegates. They've now, weighted the, no, the same way I, as the Electoral College. Right. They've weighted different counties. The Electoral yeah, right. College? The, the Electoral rural, College. The, the, rural, the rural precincts, for whatever reason, are being weighted more heavily than the urban precincts. I don't know why urban people keep getting getting screwed here. And, partly because and they're and black know, and Latino. Even, even, if, even though I'm, I'm supporting Pete and I want Pete to win this thing, 
I don't want to have the burning people on our backs for the next six months saying, you guys cheated in Iowa. We got more votes um, because it would be a valid, valid criticism. Thank you. I was just going to say, well, whatever I mean, happens, they've already got a website up saying that Tom Perez has stacked the DNC with anti-Bernie. Del- they're going to complain. It has nothing to do with the DNC. They're gonna, I know. I know. But they're going to complain anyway. Going, and, but I, doesn't your mean, point doesn't mean to help them. Your point is, 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 is well taken. Um, I, I want to I want to say that Iowa, theory. as the leadoff, should be scrapped along with its caucuses. I and agree. the opening day, the opening day should be Iowa, uh, South Carolina, Nevada, New Hampshire, all on the opening day. Let's let's get a, a diverse uh, mm. bunch of people. Well, I oh, would okay, well, I would maybe rather pick do four the other regional states? primary, but I bet you, and I hope this debacle does not fade in people's minds. Yes, because. We need to scrap these caucuses. It's it's a it's a you know the reason they continue to exist is it's a money maker for Iowa. Oh yeah. Uh, the reason we have untold campaign spending is because everybody makes money off it. The people who develop the ads and produce the ads, TV, radio, they make a lot of money. Good luck with changing something that is deeply embedded in American capitalism. Let uh, I let's ask the second question you, because I just uh, want to say uh, that you haven't seen money yet. You haven't seen money until uh, Super Tuesday comes. I, I understand. Uh, but okay, th- let's move on, though, as you uh, request. Uh, I, I predict that they're going to scrap the Iowa caucuses, we, or the, at least the Democratic Party. We will not see them in 2024. Do you agree with me? Yes, I agree. No. I think if the decision was made today, I would. But a year, everyone's going to, or four so? years, everyone's going to cool off and forget about this. Okay. I hope I'm wrong. I, I, you could be right. You're right about a lot of things, Dylan. <laughs> well, thank uh, you, Paul. <laughs> really? <laughs> Okay, the second part of this is sort of a branch off of the first one. What's your reaction to the, quote, partial Iowa results, and where do each of the leading candidates go from here? I want to answer— Other than to New Hampshire. I I want to answer Dylan's uh, question about where we stand, because as of now, when we're doing this, the state chair, Democratic state chair from Iowa came out, and they released 62 percent of the vote. This is ridiculous. If you're going to yeah. a- announce a vote total, I want 100% and verified. After 62%, the initial preferences, the first time people vote, before they find out uh, their candidate is gay, straight, bisexual, that 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 one, Sanders had 24%, Buttigieg 21, Elizabeth Warren 19, Biden 15, Amy Klobuchar 12. When you do the state delicate equivalent, in other words, when you take those preferences and you go through the meat grinder to come up with the only thing that matters, how many delegates Iowa sends to the Democratic National Convention in Milwaukee, Pete Buttigieg is the winner with 27 percent, Sanders at 25, Warren at 18, Biden close behind at 16, Klobuchar at 12 percent. Now, this could change yeah, this is, <laughs> tomorrow. This is only but they 62%. have to go to the county right. and the state level, too. There's right. a couple of levels right. that's going to take a couple months. Right. So th- getting that's right. There's another layer of state delegates versus county delegates, which will, will skew the change the Iowa total eventually. There's another reason the whole thing should be scrapped. But given what we know, that Bernie Sanders did well, Pete Buttigieg did amazing, um, Elizabeth Warren, you know, Biden, just just tell me what you think as far as where candidates go from your, your, your initial response to the results as we know them. I think some candidates go to New Hampshire, some go to South Carolina. 
I don't think that uh, Joe Biden's going to be spending a lot of money in New Hampshire because Bernie Sanders seems to be way out in front there with no chance of Biden catching up. I think Biden has good strength in South Carolina, and I think he wants to build on that and really solidify his base there. I think Nevada is going to be the first really true test uh, of, a, of a state that could go either way. Um, and by the way, if Biden has bad internal polls for Nevada, he's going to want that app. In Nevada. <laughs> yeah. They already said they're not using it. They, oh, really? They yeah. had contemplated using the same one, and they're scrapping mm. it. Well, that app sort of gave him a second wind. And and, and I don't, you know. You, I, I, don't, I don't think Biden, I, I'm sure they wanted to do better. Yes. But they, they knew they were never going to do that well. Uh, based on, you know, Sanders had an organization there four years ago. Pete has worked the state. I'm sure they wanted to do better. And, and Biden, but I have to say, I, I like Joe Biden, but his appearance was awful. He came out and just did some, you know, lines, that he, standard lines. 100% he wasn't, in wasn't inspirational. He, he, he walking he wanted, around like he was like at a town hall or right. something. Right, and he wanted to get it. in Iowa? In, yeah, Where after. Where he challenged in the, the guy to do push-ups? No, 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 no. last in, night. In his after last after night. he, he came it. out. So, and I agree with you, though, that, that his is the long game because 25% of the delegates are, are the voters in Democratic primaries are projected to be African-Americans. We have a huge fleet. Now, if Biden stumbles in either Nevada, he has to get top two in Nevada and win South Carolina. If he doesn't do that, I think Joe Biden, you know, he's got the long game. He doesn't have the money for the long game yet. Um, but and where does Pete go? I mean, he hasn't been in other states. Do you think he has enough momentum? He's, he really looked good. He could have had a bigger moment had they not screwed up. But is this enough to give him double digits in New Hampshire? Well, yeah, I do. Um, I agree. I so, I wanna, so. so I looked at last night's results and I compared them to where the candidates were on August 1st in Iowa. And it was interesting. What I So on August 1st, Biden had 24%, Warren 15, Sanders 14, Buttigieg 6, and Klobuchar had 10 points. At the election last night, based on the numbers that we have right now, which is 62% of precincts reporting, Biden went from 24 to 16, an eight-point drop. Warren went up three points. Sanders went up 10 points. Buttigieg went up 21 points. And Klobuchar went up three points. So this kind of goes to what I was talking about at the last show, which is that it means a lot to me what a candidate can do. If they run a smart, disciplined, effective primary campaign, they're more likely to run a smart, disciplined, effective general campaign. And so nobody came close to what Pete Buttigieg did. Going up 21 points with zero name ID ends up probably going to win the entire state. There. Pretty much. No, no, no that is, that's you not mean, true. During the campaign. No, right. if okay. you compare the number of days he was there, it's similar to other candidates. Got it. Um, and what I saw from Biden, he was, my worst fears of Biden are being realized. He was the only candidate who the more voters saw him, the less, the less they liked him. 100% name recognition, um, well-funded, comes in fourth place. You know what? He has the smell of Obama on him. It's a good smell. It's working for him. But look at what he did in, in 1988, 2008. We're, we're coming back. He's, he's repeating what he did back then. Started off strong I, with high expectations, and he's coming in I, way under him. I try not to compare other. There's completely different circumstances. He run, ran in those campaigns before he had eight years as vice president. Um, and I'll say again. 3% African-American. He hasn't hit his constituency yet. So we're, we, we say there was, you know, you can say that he underperformed. And I agree with you on that. But this is not it, it, this is really not Joe Biden's territory. They didn't spend a lot of time there. They didn't expect to do well there. Um, Kim, thoughts? I, I, uh, I, I, let me I just want to also add that I think that uh, the impeachment 
and the Republicans saying Biden, corrupt, Biden, corrupt, Biden, corrupt, every other word. And then Joni Ernst coming out and saying, oh, this impeachment stuff is going to get Biden in Iowa. I think that happened. I think part of that is true. So here's my biggest concern. And I congratulate what Bernie did. I congratulate what Pete did. Um, here's my concern. And this is the overall concern I have with this field. There is no per, close to perfect candidate. If you look at the, uh, I don't know if you saw Steve Kornacki today on MSNBC as all of this stuff was flooding in, trying to get all the counties. You know, Pete did, Pete Buttigieg did fantastically mm -hmm. in the rural areas. Bernie Sanders was shellacked in the rural areas. Um, Biden did great with older people, tanked with younger people. Bernie did great with college kids and younger people, but that was pretty much it for Bernie Sanders. Um, we, we have weaknesses, glaring weaknesses. I saw a commentator today on MSNBC who said, um, yeah, Buttigieg, uh, you know, Biden, Buttigieg, Sanders, where do my – this African-American commentator, and uh, I should remember his name. I wrote it down. He's uh, an excellent commentator on MSNBC. He's – where do African-Americans go? They don't have a single candidate left. They're not excited about Mayor Pete at all. In fact, there's animosity against him, whether it's warranted or not. Bernie Sanders doesn't really excite the African-American people like Joe Biden does. Joe Biden does great among the most important voting cohort in the Democratic primary, but he is not – a great campaigner. So this just shows me, plus the turnout was pretty meek, pretty low last night, which shows me a very low level of interest among Democrats. These are very worrying signs for the Democratic Party. Time to name an African-American woman as VP. I think that um, it probably I will think it, it's, it's, it's a little harsh to say, well, he did go with this group and not this group. There's like 10 candidates running. So yeah. everyone's going to have their niche. And to say that they didn't win all the groups, I think, reflects the fact that it's a 10-person field. What I want to pick up on your question before, Carl, about where does Pete go from here, this was the best case scenario for Pete. Look at what happened. First of all, he won. Okay. Second of all, his two biggest challengers, Biden and Klobuchar, both did terribly, 15% or less. So the I, how Bi where's Biden going to get money from this point for? I, you know, that's a problem I, for him. I actually just donated today, and I I'm, actually I'm, donated I'm, yesterday. I'm about to the max of like twenty eight hundred for Joe Biden, and yeah, but right, that's uh, right. You, people you want are the voting answer? for him. You want the answer? I'm where giving, the money's I'm, coming I'm from? Giving, okay, where the money's coming from? Establishment Democrats mm -hmm. who are really worried that Bernie Sanders is going to be. I mean, I don't think Joe Biden's <laughs> going to have a problem with money. I really don't. I, I, I do because while you may not be worried. He's giving people every day more reasons to be worried about him, including what he, what he's doing on the trail. And um, his, his speech last night was terrible. But the second thing that happened for Pete besides that was Warren and Sanders both did well, well enough to stay in the game. So if, if he can consolidate the moderate vote and keep Bernie and Elizabeth fighting over that left wing vote, there's a real lane here for Pete to pick up a ton of momentum coming out of Iowa. Um, I just don't. You know, I love Mayor Pete. And you heard me say in the last broadcast that he is by far my favorite candidate. And I want him to see well, to do well. I just do not think that he's going to be, maybe prove me wrong, and I'd love him to prove me wrong, in states that have a higher Hispanic and African-American uh, population. You will see. Claire McCaskill, by the way, made a great point, and I had just done this. She added up the candidates. I did this on their show like three or four weeks ago, who support single payer and those who don't. Again, 
it's almost the perfect divide now in the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. So this is, again, the policy issue that splits Democrats. I see in all these results this huge split between center-left and left. And I'm telling you, until we can fully resolve this, which we may not do. <laughs> That's quite a list. We may not do. And we're opposed to a Republican Party that is in lockstep with their dictator. This is, you like to say that diversity is great in the Democratic Party, maybe not in elections. The Democrats need a charismatic leader. They do not have one. And, and if they don't figure out how one of them either becomes that or one enters the race, they're in trouble. Otherwise, well, it's just policy, you know, policy, policy. And pe people aren't, you know, I don't think people are voting on policy. I think people thank are you. voting. Unless it affects thank them you. personally. Thank you. I agree with you. Even, even when it affects them personally, yeah. they're voting I'd on like policy. The like the farmer, right. By the way, I'm going to say, I watched all the speeches from last night. I thought Bernie's speech was powerful. I mean, I think I, missed I, it. I'm I sorry. think he has a lot of charisma. And I was, I was listening to, just from rhetorical, the, the writing itself was magnificent. Whoever wrote that speech for him did an amazing job. And his delivery of it is, I mean, 78 years old. I don't know how he's doing it, but he is doing it. So to say there's no charismatic people in the field, I think Pete is somewhat charismatic. I think Bernie's very Here, charismatic. Here's the, and you will be shocked that I take issue with you about Bernie Sanders. But here, <laughs> here, here's the big problem with Bernie Sanders, in my opinion. And it's, it's a flaw that's embedded in him and his campaign. And by the way, Jason Johnson is the MSNBC yeah, commentator right. who's African-American. Smart says, as a whip. Where do, where do African-Americans go? Last night, one of the most interesting things was on MSNBC, Chris Matthews had on Nina Turner, who was the campaign uh, chair now for Bernie Sanders 2020. She happens to be African-American. Uh, she railed against Mike Bloomberg for, uh, you know, coming into the race with all of the money. Now, that's a very fair question. Right. Should we have candidates who can buy uh, airtime, have unlimited, you know, and I say I kind of love, and Dylan, you mentioned this a few weeks ago, I love that Mike Bloomberg is spending, you know, billion dollars to take down Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all great. So Nina Turner is having this debate about whether it's appropriate for a billionaire to buy his way in. Okay, that's a great debate. She called him an oligarch. And she really got into him personally. Well, back in, in, in the studio, Jason Johnson took issue with her. As did I. And they had a very nasty exchange about this. To, and, and Jason Johnson, whom I agree with 100%, it says, why demonize Mike Bloomberg? Yes, it's, you know, and, and this is where I think the fatal flaw lies in Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, you can say he has soaring oratory, but his is a grievance campaign. It's based on, in my opinion. So was Trump's. Yes. No. Here's the difference. He was a grievance campaign. Right. But what was Trump's message? Brown make people. A, make America great again. By getting even, brown people out. Listen, even you have to appeal positively and give something to the Americans positively. Trump's genius was he could have a message you could put on a hat. I go back to this focus group in, in the early stages of the primaries in, in Maryland. They asked a woman, why do you support Trump? She says, because he'll make America great again. And they said, how do you know that? And she said, because it says it on his hat. <laughs> all right. So all of the why I like the other speeches last night is they were aspirational for America. Bernie's whole thing, which was encapsulated by Nina Turner, is the we hate the rich. The rich are the enemy. 
Um, Michael Bloomberg happens to do amazingly great things with his money. Including right. giving it all away when he right. leaves. And, and he, he really steps up on, on gun control and the environment. Tom Steyer has done amazing things in the, in the environment. Bill and Melinda Gates are billionaires, but I believe in what they've done for Common Core. The problem is when you, call, when you use a class warfare and demean people by calling the rich the enemy. That is not a winning and hopeful message for this country. You, no, 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 Remember the Washington Post's list of people that Trump had demeaned prior to election day? I mean, don't tell me somebody can't win the White House by demeaning people. No. That's I, not, I look but, upon her, by the way, as uh, Sanders' version of Kellyanne Conway. I mean, she, she just says these outrageous things and just keeps yammering and yapping, doesn't yeah, let anybody I, else I, interfere I, with yeah, her. I understand that. But there was... People voted for. I know he demeaned people, and he made. First of all, do we want to be Trump? Do we want to? Do our values emulate the demeaning and hating well, of, cl of classes of people? And his message for those people was their whole thing was let's make America great again. Bernie Sanders and and I go ahead, Dylan, and I'm going to respond for not, <laughs> not me, us, right? I mean, both right. these campaigns right. have their negative and positive, and, and I, you're, I feel like you're kind of. Moving the goalposts here. The initial question was electability. Now it's principles. Well, okay, maybe Bernie can be elected, but if he could be elected, do we want to have those principles? No, so I think he is unelectable. I actually, and I've said this before, I think he is the most unelectable candidate. What you have with this us versus them thing, it's funny because he, he, his, his thing is, what is it? Us? Not me, us. Not me, us. But the us doesn't include the wealthy, does it? They're, they're the most evil people ever. So that's kind of weird. Um, last week, 30 Sanders supporters invaded the Joe Biden headquarters in Des Moines, Iowa. Five had to be arrested. Now, look, sit-ins are great, civil rights movement, I believe in protest, but they actually believe that Joe Biden was evil. What was their point of being there and trying to do that? They say he's lying, disrupting. They're saying he's lying about health care, uh, which he wasn't, by the way. In December, you may not know, but a hundred Bernie people showed up at Pete Buttigieg's headquarters in South Bend, Indiana, at, a, at, at an event with their Bernie signs, and they shouted him down as a racist. I don't think Joe Biden needs to be his uh, campaign headquarters needs to be taken over. I don't think that Mayor Pete is a racist, and I see this behavior on Facebook. I see it all over, with some, not all. But when you have a campaign that says, these people are the enemy, and here I ask people to just listen to this one thing. Bernie Sanders is actually running a campaign. And all I hear the last week, the establishment is worried. The establishment of the Democratic Party, the Democratic Party of establishment, we got them shaking in their boots. He's actually running against more than half of the party for which he wants his own nomination. He wants the nomination of the party when he is running against more right. than half and, of its members. And Trump, did, is, Trump did the same thing. I mean, he was campaigning for president by trashing John McCain, calling, saying he wasn't a war hero. I'm saying, when you can in general election, this talk about both parties hate me, it's catnip for independence, the people in the middle that we need to win. I understand what you're saying. I, the more I think about this, the more convinced I am that Bernie while not my first choice, is the most electable and the most likely person to oh beat God, Trump. No. No. I think I think in a, in a different year, maybe not, but he is tailor-made for the kind of candidate to take let on me, Donald, let me ask Donald you Trump. This. Let me ask he you has this. not been vetted. Let me ask you. That's, that's one thing. Let me ask you one question. In a, an economy where we have 
the lowest unemployment in 50 years, when consumer confidence is at 63%, when more than 60% of Americans say they like their private health care insurance, you're telling me that a socialist who runs and he said he will raise taxes on everyone in the middle class, he will take away health care choice and replace it with a socialist program. You tell me in the best economy in this country in decades that Americans are going to vote for a socialist. You're putting a 1992 lens on this election. People, look, look at every election we've had over the last 20 years. People are voting for the agents of change. Who's the biggest agent of change? Trump was last time in a really terrible way, but people didn't care how terrible it was. Oh, this guy's going to shake things up. Well, Bernie's Dylan, the same thing. What person running for the Democratic nomination will shake things up more than Bernie Sanders? Look, Answer that look, question. Joe Biden. Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm serious. He'll you know, take it right back Dylan from where Trump had it. And I want to make this point. Everyone takes lessons from a previous election that suit their self-interest. I hear everyone say, oh, Hillary was the status quo. Hillary was a centrist. That's why she lost. Maybe she lost because she was a woman. Maybe she lost because of Russian interference. Maybe she lost because of James Comey. Maybe she lost because Bernie people and others sat out the election. Or all of the above. Or all of Phil the Stein. above. But you cannot say that anyone lost because they weren't, were the agent of change or weren't the agent of change. You cannot say there are a million factors why people win or lose. You cannot cite one as the only independent that is, variable. I, I am 100% true. I and I want to quote, since we mentioned it before, Stephen Schmidt, Steve Schmidt, who I think is brilliant. Great guy. Quote, in America, the sociopath beats the socialist any day of the week and twice on Tuesdays in November. <laughs> Right. Well, wow. And look, what I'm going to say is that... And I agree. America will I, not vote for anybody whose word right. name has socialist in the I, word. I think the capstone on this discussion needs to be that I understand your, what, exactly what you're saying, Carl. Um, I think you're wrong, but I understand it. And I also understand that we're all looking into a crystal ball. None of us knows what's going to happen. Some of us feel more confident. I know Carl feels a lot more confident in his opinion than I do. Okay. But none of us know for sure what's going to okay, happen. Okay, I want to I give you some facts, though. Okay? Oh, God. I know. I know. Well, by the way, I want to interject uh, uh, right. that Ken Rudin said that we could not predict the outcome of the election on election day. Okay. So prognosticating <laughs> All is right. always going to. I, I just want to have risks. Tell you things that I do know, and I'll mention this again. One of the things I really fear about Bernie Sanders, he, he people know him as a socialist, whether they know what socialism means or not, and all Donald of you. Donald Trump so, will uh, tell them what socialism uh, means. But, but listen, shh. I hate to say shush, I'm sorry. <laughs> you originally told me, all of you, that uh, people in this country, they, they don't get the full, the, the full information, okay? Right. So Fox is going to tell people that Bernie Sanders, and, and Trump referred to him as a communist, okay? And uh, he will get another hundred right. times. So we're, we're asking a lot for the American people to know the definitional difference between communism, socialism, democratic socialism, what else? But people know... Shoot, I don't even know the difference. People know <laughs> when their taxes are going to be raised, and they know to hate the left, and the farther left you go, the more they hate them. My evidence for how I think this is going to really... His candidacy would really hurt us, and we may even lose the House, and I'll say it again, mm -hmm. 40 House... House members flipped in 2018 red districts to blue. All 40 refused to run under Bernie Sanders' banner. 30 of the 39 of the 40 said no to single payer. One in Washington State said yes. 40 and 0. Of the people who ran under the Bernie Sanders you banner, you gave us these numbers last week. Well, I, maybe no one heard them. <laughs> under our revolution, 
and a brand new Congress and Justice Democrats, the three Bernie Sanders organizations, people who ran in Republican-held districts under those banners went O for 44. Now, if you want to go into an election with down-ballot success, do you want to take 40 and O, or do you take O for 44? Plus, you, can you imagine how many down-ballot Democrats, if Bernie Sanders is a nominee, are going to run away from him? They're going to say, no single payer, no, I'm not going to raise taxes. What will the Republicans say? They'll say, these their own Democratic candidates do not believe what the head of their, their nominee says. That is the most wide open criticism that can be made. We heard these same arguments about Trump in, in 2016, that he was going to hurt everyone. They took the House and the Senate and the Trump presidency. And part of that was because people thought that Hillary was going to win. So the same thing can happen with, oh, Bernie can't win because people like you were saying they can't win. So what ends up happening is like, well, we got to vote for the Democrats again, because we like split government. So that we, we win the, Dem again, the House again, and the Senate Dylan, and the president. Again, you cannot take any election and I'm transpose anything and from one election to another because circumstances tell are me completely more about the 40, different. The 40-0 election, please. Tell me more about that election. other subject. We have one more subject, and that's election. Thank you. That subject deals with impeachment. Just in case you guys forgot, we're in the middle of an impeachment trial in the Senate. <laughs> 51 Republican senators, by the way, I wasn't done either, but we got to move on. 51 Republican senators voted to exclude key witness testimony from the Senate trial of Donald Trump. Tomorrow, Republicans are going to go on record. By the time you guys hear it, it will have probably been done. We'll go on record that this president is above the law. What are the ramifications for the country? What are the ramifications for the Republican Party? Anybody? Or you want to go back to Iowa? Kim? I'm going to jump in. So I'm predicting short-term gain for GOP, long-term gain for Democrats. I think that they have shown that absolutely not one single Republican is willing to stand up to Trump when it counts. They will not hold him accountable. He will be doing worse things the day after he's acquitted. You can mark my words on that. And we have to make this the number one campaign issue, that they won't stand up to him, and that goes to character. You know, uh, this is probably one of the more depressing things, and it goes back to the, how I brought uh, began this, this podcast. Um, we're in an era, uh, I guess, with Republicans, where they don't care about the truth. And I predicted months ago, that if this went to the trial in this in, to trial in the Senate, Republicans would say, "Well, you know, it was bad, but it's not impeachable." That's exactly what they're all saying. I mean, the ones that are talking, "Well, he crossed the line," you know, "I wouldn't have done it," you know, "It's not quite right," and I don't agree with it, but it doesn't rise to high crimes and misdemeanors. That's exactly what they're saying. It's bribery. I don't care what form the the articles came this man is guilty we know it and the fact that these republicans and maybe by the way tomorrow i bet there'll be two or three democrats that vote to acquit i, I predict the fact that facts don't matter to them guilt doesn't matter to them they don't care if he keeps doing it it is a morally bankrupt position and party and we better run on that. I like to believe that the majority of Americans still care about the Constitution, still care whether their president's corrupt. With this 
number today of 49%. Maybe we live in a country where people don't care anymore. It's depressing. And Carl, as you said, they're going to own everything he does from now on. And short, I think that's a key point, too. A short statistic. The 51 senators that voted against evidence represent 151 million Americans. The 49 senators that voted for evidence represent 170 million Americans. So once again, the majority gets screwed by a bad political setup. You know, by the way, I believe Susan Collins, I believe Mitt Romney be believes we, I really believe him. I think Mitch McConnell said to Susan Collins, you can vote because I'm going to shield you in your reelection bid. Of course. You can look like you want evidence. Maybe she didn't. Courage when it doesn't count is not courage. That's right. a great line. You know, the, uh, the excuse that they were making that you didn't mention, Carl, is that, oh, we have an election coming up. The voters can, that's the one that infuriates me the most because what, so now because we have elections every four years, we can just remove the power of impeachment from the Constitution? But no, it's there for a reason. He's trying to the election. <laughs> right, and he's being impeached for undermining that one other outlet we have. It's the same logic Mitch McConnell had was, well, we can't fill the Supreme Court seat. We, we have to wait right. for the election. Um, I think Kim's exactly right because she's talking about accountability. The guardrails in this administration are gone. The Jim Mattises are gone. Um, uh, Rex Tillerson is gone. But the last really guardrail that is left is accountability, and now that's been removed. There's right. no accountability anymore. And I think we should run on it because Americans don't respect ass-kissers, cowards, and lackeys which is what the Republican Congress has become. At least 49% of them do in uh, saying Trump if is doing If you a great are afraid yeah. that a Donald Trump tweet will hurt your ability to hold office and that causes you to act in a, in a vile, not righteous way, then you as a senator have no value to the United States of America. It's not even Get just, the hell out. It's not even just your office because Lamar Alexander is a prime example. He's leaving. But yeah. guess what? They want a lucrative K Street contract so they can go you back bet. and lobby their friends. And I, and I know the right. state of Tennessee. I lived there for 10 years. And I can tell you, when I lived there in the 1970s, it wasn't as right wing. That is a Fox News evangelical religious state other than Nashville and Memphis right now. And Lamar Alexander, the ad, camp, the ad agency, PR agency I worked for, ran his campaign for governor. They ran both of them. I knew Lamar Alexander. He was a moderate. He's an Ivy League graduate. He was a good and decent guy who now has moved, has moved over the decades as they have shifted right, and they they want to protect uh, either their image or their electability in their state, and they have sold their soul on so many issues, and it's kind of thing that drives me crazy. I will just say before we get to the, uh, I love this discussion tonight. I think it's fantastic. I hope you're loving it at, at where you, when you're listening. I'm hating I, it. I, I, I will. <laughs> <laughs> let me get. Let me end on an optimistic note. I'm not done. You can end. Okay. okay. <laughs> that look. We've talked a lot about. Is, is Trump a lock? Can Democrats come up with anyone that will beat him? Ultimately, our elections are a referendum of our values. I pledge myself to uh, progressive values, to human rights and human dignity and health care for all, welcoming immigrants, peace, intelligence in office, all of those things. We are going to stand on our values and as Mayor Pete said, and Amy Klobuchar said, and Elizabeth Warren said last night, this is a values election. We may not win it because there may be things that, that are more important to the American people than values. But I think the Constitution, our form of government, and who we are as a people matter most. If we lose that fight, we have to keep fighting for our values no matter the political wins 
that is where we are. I think you would all agree that is our mission. Yes, agreed. I, I also, I, I think I may have said, but come Super Tuesday, the world's going to be looking at, I don't know, 500 million, 600 million bucks spent by Michael Bloomberg. So I'm not sure exactly how he's going to factor into this whole thing. Uh, Michael Bloomberg is doing a great service by running anti-Trump ads. And he, he's getting under Trump's skin because Trump mentioned him in the Super Bowl interview about how he's short and he'd have to stand on a doesn't, box. Doesn't that offend every short person in America? I mean, just like 20% of America must just... He's now at 49%. I think he's really demeaned every category, and yet people love him more and more. I think that uh, Bloomberg is going to start using Randy Newman's short people as his, <laughs> his uh, theme song. By the way, there, there, there's song. an answer here that no one gave in that initial question, is that I think some people want autocrats. They want dictators. Yes. They feel comfortable with them. Yeah. And I don't know what percentage Strong of that 49, but yeah, that may be. Uh, things we may not know. Who wants to start us off? I've got three short things. Bloomberg, Bloomberg, Bloomberg. Exactly. <laughs> Neptune was the first planet to get its existence, to have its existence predicted by calculations before it was actually seen by a telescope. Didn't Herschel see it originally? I'm not sure. Herschel? Yes, Bernardi, Herschel Walker. Walker. He was all. He was an astronomer <laughs> and a football player. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. Number two, ninety percent of the world's population lives in the northern hemisphere. Right. And number three, you're more likely to become the president than you are to win the lottery. You know, if Play Trump wins the lottery as well, I'm <laughs> I'm leaving. Play I'm for going entertainment to purposes only. All right. Good. Love him. Well, uh, uh, we all know that uh, uh, Donald Trump congratulated the great state of Kansas for the <laughs> for the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then when his secretary of geography slapped him in the back of the head a couple hours later, he changed it and said, oh, oh, I, he, he pulled out the old tweet and stuck in the new one congratulating uh, Missouri. But the interesting thing is that his folks at Fox will never fail him. The folks at Fox, when he came out with that first tweet, said, well, it's understandable to make that mistake. I mm -hmm. mean, the people call the New Jersey Giants New York Giants. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll forgive anything. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the other thing I wanted to say is I met this lady, and this isn't, I don't know, this is just a little anecdote. By the way, the, the response to that is, why wouldn't he just, if it's both... Why didn't we congratulate him to the state of Kansas and Missouri? He didn't say that. Be, that's right. And all he had to do to fix it was use his Sharpie. <laughs> uh, I met this lady in, in line at TJ's, Trader Joe's. And the conversation led to, our, to this podcast and, and politics. And I told her I'd pose the question to myself in the car. If it meant getting rid of Trump, would you accept a recession? The cashier shook her head and said no, but the lady in line said yes. She said, I'll take it any day of the week. She said, I would take the recession. I've lived through a few recessions. We always come back. I don't think we can come back for a second term of Trump. Mm. Well um, said. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Paul. I have two things, one short, one not short. Uh, it was announced a couple hours ago that uh, Trump is going to give the Presidential Medal of Freedom to Rush Limbaugh. Did you hear about this? Yeah, um, that's another thing that depressed so, me today. Yeah, me too. So, I, I mean, I, this could be another topic, but... I'd be curious to know who you think the worst three Americans are of the last 50 years. And I would put my three would be Rush Limbaugh, Mitch McConnell, and Roger Ailes as the top I, three. I, I, I was thinking about this today. We have a lot in common because my neighbor, I won't say her name, texted me last night. Am I wrong to be happy that Rush Limbaugh has cancer? Um, I can only let you surmise what I said back. I am furious about the Medal of Freedom because I can think of few people 
in the last 30 years who have injected more ignorance, more fear, more lies into society and the body politic than Rush Limbaugh. And it's offensive that he's given the Medal of Freedom, but appropriate that he's given the Medal of Freedom by the Donald Trump who does the same thing is a product of Rush Limbaugh and Fox News. And finally, I'll say, which disgusts me even more, is that in the Missouri State Capitol in Jefferson City, where they have this busts of Missouri heroes, that Rush Limbaugh's bust Mm -hmm. is in that Mm -hmm. rotunda along with my ultimate journalism idol, Walter Cronkite. It makes me puke that that Rush Limbaugh is in the same space as Walter Cronkite. I say you should organize a caper. <laughs> Let's get rid of it. I want to quote my father here. Um, when, I, when I discussed this with him earlier today, the, the Medal of Freedom of going to Rush Limbaugh, and his quote was that it became the Medal of Nothing to him years ago. By uh, the way, who's next? Who's next? Well, Alex actually, Jones? Obama's uh, Medal of Freedom recipients were well, amazing. Right, and didn't, I, I, didn't Dinesh D'Souza already get it? I mean, it really has been. I just want to point out that since Roger Ailes came up, and someday I'll tell this story, but for about two or three weeks, I was Roger Ailes' agent. Okay. Uh, if, one, you, if you haven't seen Bombshell, it's really I good. Do John see Lithgow that. is great as oh. Roger Ailes. Go ahead. Since we're uh, making movie recommendations, Jojo Rabbit. I loved it. Okay. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to say is my good news report. I tried. I went into something positive, especially right. on a show like this. There's an organization based right out in here in Portland called Health and Harmony. Um, for the past 13 years, they have been giving people the opportunity to do something meaningful to offset their uh, carbon footprint. And so they've. They, so you give them money, and they invest their money, and they focus it in two places: Borneo and Madagascar. And what they do is they use the money that you give them to plant a diverse collection of. Uh, trees and bushes and fruit trees in, in these two areas. And over the last 10 years, they've restored 52,000 acres of rainforest. Um, and what also they've realized is that it's, you need to provide the communities around these forests with a way of becoming sustainable so they don't have to rely on cutting these things. So they've had, they have chainsaw buyback programs. Um, they have the villages nominate a, a, nominate a forest guardian. Um, they give them um, education opportunities to do sustainable farming practices. Um, and basically, um, what you can do is you go to this guy's, this guy's website, which I'm going to give it a plug here. It's healthandharmony.org. You put in what you what, your lifestyle, and they will tell you how much money you can give them per year to offset your carbon footprint. And for the average American, it's $31 per month or $1 a day, and you will give them enough money to do enough offsets to make you carbon neutral. So love it. pretty amazing organization. It's based right here, right here in Portland. That's Thank great. you. Say the name again. Healthinharmony.org. Okay, I like it. Speaking of health, studies published in the Journal of the American Medical Association and the American Journal of Infection Control called for doctors to stop shaking hands with patients. A fist bump is 10 times more hygienic than a high five and 20 times more hygienic than a handshake. So don't do the handshake. If you do something else, do a high five second. A fist bump is the best. And finally, does anyone know who invented or for who first demonstrated the high five? It was October 2nd, 1976. Herschel Walker. Uh, yes, who <laughs> no. discovered Uranus. <laughs> I've personally never seen Uranus, but he discovered it. Um, the Hi-Fi was born on October 2nd, 1977, when Dodger Glenn Burke greeted Dusty Baker with uh, after Baker hit a home run. And uh, he kind of thrust his thing up, and Dusty Baker went, okay. Burke then went out and hit a home run of his own, but that was the, the origin of the high five. And this last sentence goes out to my very special friend who caucused yesterday in Iowa, the woman, the aforementioned woman, Burke, 
was one of the first major league players to come out <laughs> as gay. Don't say, how have I never heard this before? <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, guys. This has been a wide-ranging discussion. I have enjoyed it. Did you end up enjoying it, Paul? Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Should people rate <laughs> us and review us if they, they enjoyed should. us? Okay. They should. I and, want to do some thank yous. I want to yeah. thank Patrick Zahn, our producer. I want to thank Brian Sussman for our music. I want to thank Lane Gallery and Steer, Steel Door Gallery for giving us a home here at 24th and Raleigh in Portland uh, and uh, and I want to I want to thank the Kansas City Chiefs who actually train next door according to the president with his sharpie they can prove it all right <laughs> Dylan Hydes thank you uh, always fun arguing with not always fun but no. tonight was fun uh, <laughs> Kim Upham uh, thank you Paul Block thank you behind me Patrick's on I never see him does he make faces yes when he we, does when and, we, he, you know, and he's doing something with his middle he has, finger. A, he has a Bernie Sanders banner behind you oh geez all right and I was terribly uh, impressed tonight by how much I had to agree with Dylan <laughs> you're coming you know. around Paul Dylan's a smart guy <laughs> All right, I'm going to remain silent on, on those <laughs> comments. I'm Carl Wilson along with the pack. Uh, join us next week. Thanks.